Today in the podcast, I have the Disney girl, Tammy Tucky. <laughs> she comes from Philadelphia and she's known locally as the Disney girl. Guess why? Because she sings loads of Disney songs, beautifully done, may I say. And you can find her on all the social media channels, just if you want to quickly look her up. So I'll leave all the links in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening to this on podcast land. So Tammy, welcome to the podcast. This is a new topic for the Music Secrets Exposed community, Disney music. Welcome. Thank you, Sylvia. I know, yeah, Disney is like its own little thing going on, but it's yeah. been a passion of mine for a long, long time. <laughs> I suppose the best thing is we can just start at the beginning and ask the question, well, how did you get into music? How did Disney come about? Well, I was uh, I was a kid. I was about like one and a half, and we went on our first family trip to Walt Disney World, which is in Florida. And um, I, I I just I loved it. I loved the trip, and we came back home, and my parents said, you know, six months later, I was still talking about going to Disney, so we went oh back yeah. six months later, and that yeah. was when Animal Kingdom opened. But my my real draw to it was the cast members because they were performing in front of the castle. And to see somebody sing as Ariel on stage with a fin, um, and then see somebody you know do the 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 whole the whole beginning of the bell sequence from Beauty and the Beast on stage with all these individuals, it was it was one of the things those things that just light lit up my life, and mm -hmm. I wanted to do that so badly. <laughs> so that's kind of where the Disney and the Disney music came into place. So my mom was like, "Okay, well let's let's get you some of those sing along tapes because they used to have the the VHS tapes, which are right behind me, actually, right okay. over here. Okay, and uh, so so I'd watch them all the time, learn how to read and learn how to sing. It was all together was a as a young fun. child. Wow, but yeah. I mean, it makes you <laughs> smile when you think of Disney World and you think of just what you've described. You just oh, big smile comes at everybody's faces. It's just a good feeling. So yeah. how did you transition into music then? Probably as a student moving forward, like how did that happen? I I did my first. Uh, one of my first plays when I was like a kid, it was Cinderella, was for community theater. And then moving forward, I would do shows while I was in school. So I did The Music Man, I was Amorellis. And then we moved on to like Willy Wonka, I was Veruca Salt, I Want It Now. Uh, <laughs> and then high school, we got to do the complicated Into the Woods, you know. Stephen Sondheim is very, very difficult to, to, to nail. And I got to be the stepmother for that. That was a lot of fun, but very hard. So I kind of got into musical theater and dance and music in general, choir. And I, I just, I couldn't get enough of it because I can't play music, I can't read music, oh, really? but I can hear it. Okay. I can like I have a perfect pitch so I can I know when I'm off or somebody else is off so uh, it probably that, drives that you mad as well like oh when somebody's gosh. off it drives you insane oh I can just it, imagine with perfect pitch so I was at um, an event and somebody yeah. was not singing uh the correct notes and I just was sitting there squeezing onto this chair because I couldn't I was like trying to put my head down I'm oh, totally discarded yeah totally <laughs> discarded all the time like totally yeah <laughs> can imagine so I suppose the thing when you look at musical theater you know if I'm a pianist that's my background so I play piano and that's my focus but when you do musical theater like you're dancing you're singing you have to memorize your lines you don't have sheet music in front of you to support you if you're that way inclined no. you're you're pretty much much multitasking on stage and i mean that takes quite a bit of effort i'd imagine it's 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 very exhausting but when you get on stage and you have an audience i can't tell you the, the it's a thrill that yeah. that's that's what 
that's what you know just keeps me moving forward to to want to perform is I love that moment it's it's magic you're very nervous I I get nervous before every performance I'm always really? always have the butterflies no matter yeah. what you will always I think everybody do does though me. before they step on stage no matter who you talk to there's always that element of like tension that builds in and how do you handle yeah. how do you handle that and control it because if you let it go crazy it will go crazy so how do you control it um, I kind of try to, if, if I'm doing a show, I, I want to focus on the character and, and what their, what their background is and what's, what's moving them forward in the story, um, just to try to get ready. And then kind of, I, I, I always review my lines, my music, music, I can get down easily, but the lines is sometimes a little bit more difficult <laughs> because you're waiting for the other person to perform and nice. you go back and forth. Yeah. So I, I, I usually like to be by myself. I like to kind of go over it right before put on some music just to kind of get in the mood not from the show but just to you know get excited and then that moment right before you step on stage it's just take a deep breath and you and 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 you just you know that you're going to do the best you can and yeah. that's all you can do well, that's and it. and hopefully you think people will appreciate it <laughs> oh, well i'm sure they do and <laughs> some people get really worried about a crowd of eyes an audience full of eyes mm gazing up at you and they're waiting in expectation and it's ah, scary like <laughs> so like how do you mentally cope with that picture in your mind like oh there'll be all these eyes in me well my one thing is now i i can't see too far so when i don't wear my glasses i don't even know anybody's really there except well, like front second row so that's a plus for me now but um but truly if if you're going out on stage and you're like nervous to perform in front of people i remember i had that that had I had that issue when I was like around like 10 yes. and I really didn't like I will look back at video footage and I'm like oh I, I was not ready I didn't want to but yeah. you're not going to be able to get comfortable if you do not continue to do that you have to push yourself in that direction mm. because that's the only way you're going to learn or be able to tolerate it is build up the, yeah. <laughs> being able to tolerate it yeah <laughs> and then after a show you do your show it's great reception from the audience and you're on a high, I can just imagine you're on a high, you're so excited and you come off the stage. How do you come off the stage and readjust to life? How does that happen? It's, it's hard. It's a couple hours of just, you know, being excited. I always go out with friends who are in the show or came to the show. Right. And and I'm just so excited and, and you know, pleased that everything went well. So yeah. I continue to be really excited and joyful and, and uh, it's hard to go to bed. But you know that you always have to do, you know, you have to rest your vocal, your vocal cords. Yeah. So I do a warm down before I go to bed um, with my vocal, with uh, just singing wise. And then um, and then I'm ready for the next day, hopefully. And I try not to talk too much after the show, because if you have like more shows coming up, you don't want to lose your voice. Like that's my, that that's my biggest disaster. fear. Yeah, <laughs> I remember hearing stories about Pavarotti, the opera singer from Italy, who was world famous in the 90s or whatever. And yeah. he was wearing scarves all the time. He was so protective of his voice. So what kind of things do you do to protect your voice on an ongoing basis? So I always do warm ups and warm downs. So warm up in the morning and warm down in the morning. Um, I like to rehearse with the music I have and and uh, make sure that I'm hitting the notes properly and supporting myself. Um, and then I also drink tea. I drink water. I, I really don't drink anything that's going to damage my throat or you know and also 
not damage, but mainly it will not provide enough support. Like if you're drinking milk or you're having yes. ice cream, mm -hmm. uh, ice cream is like my favorite thing ever. So I, I like cut that ben out. And Jerry's cookie dough. Oh my goodness. That's my favorite. It's so funny <laughs> you mentioned that. That's my literal favorite. Really? Oh my goodness. We're twins. I just finished a tub this weekend. So I yeah. Know. Oh, don't show me one. She'll be gone like in, in a half an hour. She'll be gone. <laughs> the best but it yeah like i have to cut that out like my vice is food so yeah. when you have to cut out the your favorites it's very hard but i kind of try not to focus on that i just focus on you know maintaining the voice and yeah. uh, being able to support yeah. it as well so mm -hmm. there's lots of disney films disney shows and so on and if somebody wants to get into the world of disney now we've all seen disney shows at some point or another but like there's a lot of new ones out that i've lost touch with i'll be honest so where would you send people to if they're musically inclined to try a little bit of Disney singing and get used to this whole world of theatre and so forth? What shows would you suggest they should look at first? Well, uh, my 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 starting point was at Walt Disney World. So there were a couple shows that I that are not there anymore, but I, I loved. So, for instance, I think one of the best scores, I think we can all agree from Disney is the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And before that even came to Paper Mill Playhouse um, as a possible transfer to Broadway, that's kind of how they test it out. They bring it to um, the East Coast and then they move it up to New York. Um, but before that ever happened, there was a show called The Hunchback of no Notre Dame, uh, a musical spectacular at uh, Disney's MGM Studios. And that show is so much fun to watch and vocally, ch the whole show is very vocally challenging. So. Mm -hmm. To see a whole cast have to, you know, vocally perform is brilliant. So I always, it, for something that's difficult, I, I love to go with that. Um, for film-wise, you know, the, the the ones that everybody remembers, especially the live-action ones, I, I you have to kind of go for Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins. That's that's like the one of the pinnacle performances, vocally. And um, a documentary I always love to suggest, if you do love music, and, and you have heard the Sherman Brothers music, It's a Small World, the Winnie the Pooh theme, oh all of Mary Poppins, yeah. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, if you don't know their that roster, one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know, their, their roster is amazing. And there was a documentary that their sons uh, made about the brothers, and it's called The Sherman Brothers Story. And it's it's wonderful. You have to if you if you want to learn about anything with music wise and, and, and composing and and what they did back in the '60s that really made a change in the music industry overall, especially for theme parks and film, you have to watch this documentary. It's perfect. so the documentary fills in a lot of the missing pieces of information. And I suppose if you want to get your repertoire up, it's a good starting point to learn those as well. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Their their scores are some some of the some of the songs are simple, but some of them are vocally challenging. Um, I I there's an obscure Disney musical called The Happiest Millionaire with Tommy Steele, okay. and there is a song I'll always be Irish in it, <laughs> which I would always sing all the time as a kid because he plays a man from Ireland who comes over to Philly. Uh, and works for the Biddles. It's actually a true story of uh, the Biddle family, which it was a very wealthy family at the time. And Fred McMurray is in it, and Leslie Ann Warren, John Davidson, John Davidson, Geraldine Page, 
And um, there were just so many talented people in this film. It's a very weird film, but it's very good. But the Sherman Brothers have this score that ranges um, from, you know, the, the the luscious ballad of a love song and then, you know, the the uh, the ingenues one song, which is a different, you know, type of notes that are in are featured in that. And Leslie Ann Warren does it brilliantly. So um, that one is an obscure one from the Sherman Brothers. If you're looking for something that has a challenging. Yeah score besides Mary Poppins. <laughs> okay. Now, when you look at the whole presentation of what you do, your genre of music and so on, there's like many people on stage, there's backing music and so on. What are the steps somebody can take to start getting used to being with other people in terms of performance? So we'll say you have somebody who loves Disney and they'd love to get into the zone of Disney and they want to get used to having the backing track and interacting with somebody else perhaps and get used to that interaction and start on the journey of that discovery, how would you introduce somebody into that journey? I always say that community theater is is probably one of the things you have to you have to experience. You have to at least have done a show once, in my opinion. Even if you're just performing as a one person with a guitar, I think everybody should have that experience of doing a show because a show it's not only the people on stage; it's the people backstage. That's and it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there's a, a lot, there's and, a lot of moving parts behind the stage that you don't see. Basically. Yes. And, and I've there... been a stage manager. I, I've mm -hmm. worked behind the scenes as stage crew because I was, they kind of pushed us. They said, you have to learn what they are experiencing while you're on stage. Mm -hmm. And there's this, there's this uh, mutual uh, um, admiration for mm -hmm. one another, but also you have to rely on those, those individuals backstage too, because you might be doing a costume change while you're still singing off stage, you know what I mean? Yeah, so you're yeah. doing this costume change, you're still singing, they're helping you get into this new costume to rush you on stage. It can be very chaotic and it takes a team and you have to learn how to work with people. You know, maybe maybe you guys might not jive together outside personally, but professionally you have to learn how to work with other individuals. And be respectful like of each other's skill and all of that, yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's total teamwork, total teamwork. Oh, hands down. So that's, totally that's what I would do. Definitely do a yeah. community theater show. It's not as extravagant as a national tour of Broadway. Yeah. But it will be. Well, you have to start you... somewhere. You have to start yes. somewhere. Isn't that it? Yeah. Very interesting. Yes. So I'm going to just ask you a few Music Secrets Exposed questions. Okay. And okay. then we'll talk <laughs> about your albums and what you're doing now and all that. What musical secrets have you learned so far? Are um, you willing to share some? Sure. No, no. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, think I know some people can be so protective. Oh, I have secrets. I won't tell anyone. Not at all. I think yeah. uh, a lot of people are worried that they're going to be a copycat of somebody else's vocals. Yeah. But I think I've learned how to craft my own sound and my own voice by listening to so many others. I, my favorites are Barbara Streisand, Celine Dion, Karen Carpenter, Whitney Houston. Oh, they all yes. have their own sounds. Yes. And yes, sometimes yes. I, I like to like I sometimes I sometimes I do voiceovers where I just recreate what I've heard as a kid mm. or what I what I love so much because I love doing impersonations. So sometimes I do an, an impersonation. It's not exactly the person, but you can kind of tell it is. Yeah, yeah. But um to to learn and hear how they how they control their breath. I, I just mm. like to sit and put my headphones in and I just sit and listen and hear how they control their breath why they take their pauses, why they might extend the note, or they might, you know, have something different that might be um, the polar opposite of like, 
what you might see in the the sheet music. Okay. So it might be do re mi, but somebody might go do re mi, you know, like something yes. like that. A little bit yeah. off. Sorry, I'm a little yeah. bit off pitch. But but they might they might take it a little bit different mm -hmm. differently in that retrospect. So um, I always find that that's unique and that and and uh, and it's always inspired me to kind of like take a leap and not exactly do what's on the sheet music per mm -hmm. se everything. But if I hear something where it's like, okay, I could actually go a little bit higher here and maybe I could do another harmony with a colleague who's singing with me and it sounds different and it gives you your own spin. So I, I, always, I always like to listen to others' mm -hmm. performances. And then also I, my, my choir teacher from high school, he kind of opened this whole new world for me once he explained that pronunciation and making sure you don't have a twang or that it doesn't sound like it's not the word that you're saying, that really opened the door for me because I could tell it was night and day from my previous recordings and performances to after having him as a teacher and understanding that you have to pronounce things. Not all the That's time. That's really interesting. I was listening to a singer there about two weeks ago and she was singing a lovely song, but she couldn't understand the words pronunciation exactly mm. and and that's sometimes some of the songs we've heard we're like oh mm. it must have been this word and then we find out when we read it no <laughs> totally different totally it's different not. yeah so that's now, those are the two things i would have as yeah. secrets so what has created the most impact in your musical life i think performing arts i think being on a stage watching yeah. the greats on stage whether yeah. it might be like uh, uh, my mom used to play the 1994 Barbara Streisand concert for me yes. all the time, and I loved it. I I could just sit and watch that all day long. Your mom was fantastic. She, she really supported you, didn't she? She 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 loves musical theater. So I was watching Singing in the Rain and Debbie Reynolds performing, yeah. and and at yeah. the time I didn't know that I was named after her famous song Tammy. Aww. So you know yeah. that was really unique to kind of be able to watch that film and and then watch all these other musicals funny girl and seven brides for seven yeah. brothers it was she was always singing to me wherever i was you know what i mean and i i just loved it and so yeah. she was a good inspiration but performing oh, arts beautiful. has always helped me yeah just further to step, my to step, career yeah exactly step beyond the thresholds of skill if you were if it were yes yeah. Now, what is the best tool you choose to use? Now, everybody has a different tool. It could be an instrument. It could be some personal development tool you choose to use to keep you in a good state. Like, what's the best tool that you choose to use every day to keep it really ticking along your musical style? Well, I, I love to have Spotify and YouTube have like mixtures of music because I always like mm -hmm. to find new music to understand because there, there are some songs that I just don't like and I and I don't understand why I do not like them. So I listen to them incessantly. And sometimes they, I actually start to like them after I've heard them. Like for instance, there was a song that Sting wrote for a film called The Emperor's New Groove. And it was a Disney film, but it, it actually never made it into the film. But it's a love song called One Day She'll Love Me. And when I first heard it, I was like, this is not a Disney song. I don't like this. I don't think it's good. But I, I, I listened to it about 10 more times and I was like, wow, he, he's, he's going for a different direction in the love song approach, mm -hmm. which, is, which, is, which is great because you, you don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again, have the same sound. But then also he has this duet portion with, these female, with the female singer and 
and and the notes are just so weird i don't know how to explain it but it's so off-putting in how it's the, the polar opposite of what i've heard all my life so experiences like that of hearing different music so that's why i try my best to listen to different playlists that are online because i want to hear what other people might enjoy that maybe i might not yeah but like, it's, it's totally but... inspirational as well and it gets your creative juices flowing yes and, and sometimes totally. you find a diamond in the rough yeah. And you're like, and you can oh, refine well, it. You can yeah, I've never it. heard this song before, and I just, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful. And I mean, I say the same thing about you know becoming a member of a mastermind of people like yourself, and you know, shared yeah. nuggets of gold and ideas. Another format of that. Now, what is the number one growth tip you've discovered? Now you're on stage performing, and you know, you've, I'm sure you've reached thresholds where you have to go higher and higher and higher in terms of skill. So, what growth tip have you discovered that really has had? you know, major impact. Uh, sometimes I struggle with high notes. So for my growth, I, I've been working on, on on performing even more challenging songs, things that actually scare me to get on stage because I, I you get that one shot to perform it right at a cabaret and you're like, I, I better deliver. But but it's very high because I'm probably a, a, a mezzo-soprano and I'm not exactly a soprano, although a lot of people say I am. I, I don't feel that way because I can really hit low notes. So uh, <laughs> I'm so I get nervous. But I think um, being able to challenge yourself and perform something, but but it, it, it won't be as nerve wracking if you are if you're truly rehearsing it. You know what I mean? I, I, I there's this one song that I've been trying my best to to perform it in the key it, it originally was in, which is someone like me from Jekyll and Hyde. And it is so high towards the end of that number, but I've been working on it and continuing to perform it all the way through and working on where my, you know, my, my breath would be, um, where my support is going to be. And I can, I can definitely see a change from when I started doing this like a year ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, if I want to really nail a song, I have to try it over and over and over again. Yeah. So it comes, it, what, what you're saying is it, it comes down to lots of preparation, really. Oh, you um, have to. Yes, yeah, you have I couldn't to. imagine anything else. Only a ton load of preparation. So what time each day, like how long each day do you tend to do this type of work on your singing? I would say about an hour is like when I, I, I get situated, I sit or I stand at my desk near my desk and I just put on some music, some karaoke tracks mm. of things that I have been practicing. And I kind of just go through that, that whole experience, that whole process. Yeah. And yeah. of uh, I mean, technology, singing. technology is great. I mean, there's so many backing tracks out there now. With like, you know, think of before technology, somebody like yourself trying to rehearse in, in a similar way. And now you we have, have technology tapes. coming in. Well, we had, like, even the before then. Tapes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Back yeah, in the 50s I would and 60s, take and those fantastic musicals came out. Oh, Can you imagine? And, 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 uh, and they have to do those, sometimes those songs in one take. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you yeah. only have one take because you have the orchestra there, baby. Mm -hmm. You better be ready to come in. I know like the stories so... of Frank Sinatra just walking in and oh, yeah. nailing I mean, the first so... take and walking out. They're so interesting. I was watching a Laurel and Hardy uh, number of, you know, clips on YouTube there a few months back. And there was a clip of um, them doing a skit in front of an orchestra. But like you were just imagining like this orchestra had to be brought in on this particular day and all these people had to come in and it had to be like that day. That was it. The resources were there for that day and that was it. So, and you know, that's what you get. Yeah, that's, that's what it. you get. It's it's there and, and, and you have to deliver. That's and it. those are the most nerve wracking parts because 
when I did my first album, that's what it was like for me. You go into the studio, you lay it down and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to lead into your album. So you are planning. Well, first we'll talk about your first album. What's it called? My first album was called You'll Find Me on Main Street. It was like a cover album of, of songs that I grew up with when I heard them in Walt Disney World in Florida. Right. And okay. so I covered about seven songs for that album. Beautiful. And where can people purchase that album? So you can find it on iTunes, Amazon. Um, as a download? Wanna, yeah, as a download. Um, you can also listen to it on Spotify and YouTube. Apparently, like I'm, I was, I was telling you when we were doing our prep interview that I'm on a Spotify Disney list now, which is pretty cool. Oh, that so is cool. It's, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. really fun to do that album because um, I, I did it all by myself. I produced and, and got the whole album together and worked wow. with all these talented individuals who recorded and performed yeah. with me. And I'm sure you learned a lot in the process. Oh, yeah. First album. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you did. <laughs> it and was hard. Me, oh, I'm sure. And tell me about the second album, because you have, um, I'm looking here at my notes over here. You have an Indiegogo uh, fundraiser at the moment. And I think at the point of recording this interview, which is the end of May in 2022, you have something like 40 odd days to go with it. You're yes. hoping to raise money for your second album. So can you tell us more about that? Yes, I kind of was. I wanted to raise the stakes because this year is um, the 40th anniversary of of um, Epcot, which is one of the Disney theme parks. And it was the 50th anniversary last October for Walt Disney World, the whole entire park opening. And I was like, it's been five years since the first cover album. And I wanted to expand it, not just do seven songs, but do 10 songs. So nine cover songs, one original that I will write and perform. Oh, and yeah it's on it's on the campaign the, the last day for the campaign is on july 11th and okay. i have a couple of perks on there so like if if we have about 300 more people who donate just 20 dollars um you will receive a digital copy of the album once it releases next april of 2023 oh, if we go through with the whole goal. process yeah. and hit, hit the goal because it's an all or nothing campaign that's the problem so we're at almost $3,000 right now. We're trying to reach the goal of 10,000 by July 11th. Okay. So um, any help would be much appreciated. And even if $20 is too much, you would, they have like different, you know, tiers. So mm -hmm. you could donate $5, or if you want to get a poster and a physical copy of the album, you can go for the, the hundred dollar tier and it kind of goes up from there. Yeah. So. And interesting. You say physical copy of the album. I mean, are people still interested in physical copies given that there's this whole world of streaming and downloads now? That was the most question. That was the question I was asked the most after when's your second album? Can I get a physical copy of the album? Cause I want you to sign it for me. And I was like, really, you guys want like, because everybody's streaming. That's what I thought, yeah. but it, everybody is asked and continues to ask. I was just at a Disney event in April. And that was the question I was asked. Where's your merch? Where's your, where's your physical yeah. copy of your, you'll find me yeah. on main street. Cause I want it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well it, it costs more to, have the physical copy and I, I couldn't afford it at the time on the first album because I kind of pretty much funded myself along with a GoFundMe campaign and so I couldn't do it at the time but this time if we hit the goal we can make it happen so that's what I'd love to do. Isn't it, isn't it very interesting like you're trying to raise 10,000 and would you say for anyone setting up an album like you're trying that you I think you will be successful setting this up that 10,000 is the target figure now in, dollar, in US dollar terms for to create an album? I think I, I'm actually lower than what most people would put out. Um, mm. And that was just trying to like, 
you know, tighten the reins and see not to not to cut corners because this is a this is a audio medium, right? It has mm-hmm. to sound good. Yeah. And and if and, and if you do listen to you'll find me on Main Street. I made sure that the production was great and that the recording was great. That was my goal. It has to, because, you know, I don't want to deliver something that's, that's not good. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You want to. So yeah, I would say, well, for me that, you know, it's a lot of money. Right. But I think a lot of people are going from like, you know, 20,000 and up just to do an album. And I'm just in a niche you know, Disney thing right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I was more broad and saying it's my, it's an original album of music, it might be a little bit different, but yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So where can people find you on social media and how can they reach out to you and potentially book you for singing? Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Or if you ever want to ha- had any qu- other questions, I- I'm on Twitter and Instagram under okay. Tammy Tucky and my website's TammyTucky.com. Uh, you could see some of my past performances and some current performances on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tammy Tucky. Mm-hmm. I usually do like an interview a month mm-hmm. where I bring people, you know, in the music industry and film industry. And we talk about the the creation of whatever project they had been working on, which is a lot of fun. I just interviewed um, Tim Conway's daughter about her book about her dad. Oh, and he was good. a famous uh, performer on the Carol Burnett show. And and so it, it's been really fun to be able to talk to people about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, also you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash singer Tammy Tucky. And then the Indiegogo campaign. If you go to indiegogo.com, just type in my name in the search. Or if you do go to my website, it's there's a link on the bottom with the album trailer. Perfect. Perfect. Well, listen, it's been great to have you on. And um, it's a very interesting genre of music with a huge history. And I mean, I always think when you, when I think of Disney, I'm thinking back to the golden days of Disney. I think there's a special time, you know, oh, back in the fifties. Oh, oh, I think it was a beautiful time. The nostalgic um, with the music. Oh, very, Sometimes, like I hear nostalgic. certain songs, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Like it, yeah. it, it, it hits you because you remember hearing it as a kid, and you can kind of oh, like yes. picture yourself yeah, those black hearing and white it again films and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah special. It's... They are special. They really are. <laughs> So, um, great to meet you today, and I really hope your Indiegogo campaign gets to its goal. So, oh my gosh, um, me too! Thank you for having really me. It I, it's really been an honor. I'm, I'm very honored. So, thank you. I slowly understood.